0: Hey folks, and welcome to our Equip podcast, where we cover what we looked at in class on Sunday. Now, we've been going very slowly, because I've been sick, but uh, slowly through hermeneutics, that is the study of how to interpret the Bible. And our goal is to become better readers of the Bible, not just intellectually, but by reading better and, and more responsively to the words of Scripture. We become more faithful, we know God better, Uh, We can pursue holiness with greater clarity and strength. And so um, I'm really enjoying uh, helping you guys and also growing myself being a better reader of the Bible. Now, I just want to do a fairly quick sort of survey of um, context, which is what we finished off looking at on Sunday. Now, uh, we looked at historical and cultural context, first of all, and uh, how we're separated by obviously you know 2,000 odd years from the first century context of the New Testament and even more years from the Old Testament and so we can't easily insert ourselves into a passage that we might read and just assume that everything we think and the the way that our sort of cultural software runs is going to be compatible with what we're seeing in the scriptures and so um, we looked at what are some tools we can use to try and bridge the gap And just a note as well, I talked about this on Sunday, but want to note once again that this is a difficult and sometimes dangerous thing to do. It's really easy for someone to say, oh, this is the context of this text, and that means it means this, when actually uh, sometimes they're quite wrong about either what the context is or how the context applies to that text. One fun little example is you might have heard that there are five different Greek words for love, uh, you might have heard, for example, that the word agape is one of them, and uh, agape often is talked about as, oh, this is the word for, you know, the the love of God, uh, sort of this unconditional kind of love, and uh, you know the words for uh, other words for love like philos, it's more a friendship love, and eros, that's more of a sexual love, and so you know wherever the, we see the word agape in uh, the New Testament, we know that that's talking about God's unconditional love. Well, that's not quite true. (laughs) For example, if you come to uh, John chapter 21, um, Jesus kind of switches between agape and philos, and he he just sort of uses them both very interchangeably uh, when he's talking with Peter, you know, do you love me? And Peter says, I love you. They sort of swap back and forth between the two, and they don't have quite that sort of very strict, delineated meaning of, oh, this is God's love and this is friendship love. So yeah, people can make these claims, but they don't always apply to every passage. So we've got to be careful. Uh, but what we can do, first of all, to try and work out the historical and cultural context of a passage, is we first want to ask, what can we get from the text itself? We looked at Luke chapter seven with the, uh, the woman who comes and washes Jesus' feet with the, the ointment and uses her hair on Sunday, uh, and uh, we, we raise a whole lot of questions about history or culture that one might ask about that text, but that the text itself actually answers some of them. So, for example, uh, what's this prophet? Uh, it mentions at the end, the Pharisees are going, um, if he was a prophet, then he would know da-da-da-da-da. And we might go, oh, well, so we learn, obviously, that the the Pharisees and the Jews were expecting a prophet. Uh, There's one thing, and Jesus claimed to be a prophet. All right, we pick that up from the text as well. Maybe we even bounce across to Deuteronomy 18 uh, by a cross reference little thing in our Bible. And uh, we see there exactly what the Jews expected uh, the prophet to be and to do. And so the first thing we want to do is ask, what does the text itself say? And what clues does it give us? Uh, Because the Bible itself is our highest authority, not anything outside the Bible. But secondly, we can go and look outside the Bible for what might be helpful about the context of the text. And so, for example, we might want to go and look at the uh, NIV Cultural Background Study Bible. Introduce that to you guys on Sunday. It's generally pretty good. Uh, or we could look at another study Bible, the ESV study Bible, Reformation study Bible, the CSB study Bible, NIV. There's, there's a whole lot. and They often have just little notes on the verses that you're reading that can give like a, a sort of a peer-reviewed uh, input into uh, what might be the context of the text. And the importance of peer review there is, is that it's a, a bunch of scholars contributing to the writing uh, as opposed to just one guy on Wikipedia or whatever. So uh, a couple of resources you might wanna use. The third question there is how relevant are those sources to this particular passage or book? Like I said, we we might note that agape often means God's love or or unconditional love, but it doesn't always. So um, how do we sort of map on our, our thinking about context to a particular passage? And my best advice there is keep coming to church, keep listening to good preaching, keep talking with your growth group about what you're reading, Ask questions of Christians you trust. Yeah, you know, I was reading this and then I looked up in the study Bible and it said this. Have you heard that before? What do you think about that? Do you reckon that's right? Have those conversations as often as you can um, to try and piece things together over time. All right. So that was the first one we looked at. We, we also looked at literary context. Uh, we looked at genre. How uh, if you're scrolling through Netflix, you see comedy, horror, adventure, Uh action, all these different sort of categories of, of film. The Bible is full of categories of text as well, genres. Now, each, each genre has its own conventions. For example, a, a narrative will have an orientation and the complication and then a, a climax where everything reaches its tension point. And then finally, a resolution where it sort of resolves and, and the, the narrative ends and things wrap up. Hopefully they wrap up positively. Now, uh, In the scriptures, of course, we'll find not just narrative, we'll find um, poetry, we'll find song, we'll find history, we'll find records, we'll find apocalypse like in Revelation, we'll find straight didactic teaching, we'll find letters. And each of these different genres have their own conventions, things that make them the genre they are, and therefore we will bring expectations to each of those different genres when we read them. Um, To show you the importance of those expectations, if I get a speeding ticket in the mail, I need to understand that that's a legal document. I can't open it up and then go, oh, wow, once upon a time, there was a man, Dan Kenny, and he was driving too fast down the highway and he incurred a $280 fine. What a great story. (laughs) That doesn't quite work, does it? Uh, I will end up having to pay the fine and probably an extra one besides for ignoring the initial letter. So it matters that we understand the genre of what we're reading. Once again, there are some good resources you can use. The Lion Handbook to the Bible is great for this, as well as a a fantastic little book called How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Fee and Stewart. I've recommended that one to, uh, to a bunch of you at different points. Both of those just have brief little introductions to each book that you're reading. And, um, and they'll tell you a bit about here's the genre and what to expect. Now, um, as another example of just what happens when genre goes wrong, um, you would know the Parable of the Good Samaritan. The Parable of the Good Samaritan in early church history was interpreted in some really interesting ways. So some of the early church fathers over-interpreted it. They got the genre wrong and then thought, well, Every aspect of the parable has to mean something. So for example, when you have the, uh, the man who's lying in the, the ditch by the side of the road, the, um, what is it? the, the priest passes by him, and um, that represents you know, the Old Testament moral law, the Old Covenant that passes by the man and can't save him. The Levite passes by, that represents how ritual law and sacrifices can't save him. And then the good Samaritan comes and that represents Jesus who comes to actually save the man in his sin. Now, the man's condition, of course, being really uh, sort of decrepit and uh, and totally helpless, that represents us in our sin. And so what does Jesus do? He comes and he carries us. Uh, he carries us to an inn, a place of safety, where he takes a coin and pays for our sin so that we can be healed now who does he pay this into? Well, the sin to well the innkeeper right he pays this ransom and that's satan he, so jesus pays with his death to satan so that we can be healed up and what does the inn represent well it rep- represents the church we go into the care of the church so that we can be healed and on and on and on and on and on it goes uh, now some parts of that are, are probably pretty good but Uh, you know, not everything in that parable represents something symbolic. For example, the innkeeper probably isn't Satan. The Good Samaritan actually probably isn't Jesus. It's probably just a Samaritan man. And the inn certainly isn't the church. It's just a place where he went to stay and get better. So they got confused thinking that in parables, everything represents something, whereas we understand today, no, there's generally just one message to a parable. So that's the importance of getting genre right. We also looked very, very briefly at textual context, and we often know what we're doing with this. Um, We don't just want to interpret a cherry-picked, isolated verse. We want to put the verse in the context of the passage, the passage in the context of the book, the book in the context of the section of the Bible in which it appears, and the section of the Bible in context of the whole Bible. What's the whole story of Scripture? And in terms of thinking about that whole story, you might want to think about the theological context of a passage. Uh, we don't just have these sort of disparate stories and commands and truth to believe, but it's, it's all part of one big story. A story of creation and fall and redemption and finally consummation. And we want to learn to see whatever passage we're reading as part of the whole. We want to learn to think theologically, as I often bang on about, knowing God better in his unfolding revelation, never just taking one page of the Bible, but taking the part in the whole. We're going to do a little bit of practice at that next week as we dig through a passage, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 25. Uh, This week in Equip, we're basically just going to go through that passage together, practicing using some of these context tools, and then also practicing using some uh, more in the text tools as well really looking forward to that with you guys. So hope to see you then at 8.30. Cheers.